Welcome to the Teen Bickies podcast for Midsummer 2022. Today we are talking with celebrated Australian author Robert Gott. Robert Gott is the author of two historical crime series, William Power and the Port Ferry Murders. He's also well known for the Naked Man artwork cartoon series, which ran in the Age newspaper for 20 years. Congratulations on your book, by the way. Oh, thank you. That's very, thank you so much. <laughs> Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great idea and it's so beautifully realised. During the sort of the fact that we've had to stay at home and I mean my partner goes out to work but we've had to stay at home and yeah. I, I kind of work from home on different things and my studio's at home is that it's made me think of other ways because usually my life would be going to galleries, going to openings, creating art and I think this yeah. pr propelled me to write a book in 2020. And it propelled me to um, think about other ways of working. Yeah. And, um, well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you it's here. It's a privilege for me. <laughs> thank you. Okay. So I'm going to start with um, a question about where has your inspiration usually come from to create crime fiction? Oh, look, I was one of those um, writers who wanted to have written a crime novel rather than to write a crime novel. But in order to achieve having written one, I had to sit down and write one. And yeah. so my initial um, desire was to write a crime novel that I was comfortable writing. And to that end, I didn't want to do a contemporary crime novel because you have to know too much. You have to know CSI stuff. Yeah. And I didn't. I didn't want to do a police procedural. I didn't want to do a legal thing because I'd, I'd have to do too much research and I'm, I'm just too um, fundamentally lazy. So <laughs> I decided to set my novel in the 1940s in Australia, which is an underexplored area mm. in contemporary fiction um, and make it a, a crime novel, but I wanted to make it a comedy crime novel. So I, I chose a character who was essentially a kind of dickhead and I, I wrote it in his voice so that he's a nong, he's a complete nong. He's an actor. So, you know, that's synonymous with being a nong, perhaps. No, that's... <laughs> so I made him an actor and he has an enormous ego. Uh, he's a very bad actor, but he stumbles into various crimes and he, he sets himself up as what was called a private inquiry agent, which yeah. was the, the term they used for private investigators in the 1940s. Um, and he just get, he gets uh, mixed up in things that are all his fault and he doesn't ever solve the crimes. Other people solve the crimes around him and he pretty much takes credit for it. So they're, they're kind of dark comedies, but all the research, all historical research is accurate. So when you read them, you do feel like you're back in the 1940s. And that was that. And I wrote four of those. And then my publisher asked me to do something slightly darker, but again, because of my um, fundamental laziness, I decided that I would still keep the, no the novels in the 1940s yeah, yeah. and just change the tone so that the next four novels, which are the murder series, um, they're very dark uh, and they're 
there's a, a bit of unpleasant, I suppose some people find it unpleasant violence in it. I don't think I, I, um, I don't think they're too violent. Yeah. And yeah. the violence is very quick. And what most of it happens in the imagination of the reader, not on the yeah. page. Yeah. So that's a very dark series. It's got humour in it. But again, it's, it's very, very embedded in the 1940s. So all the research mm. is accurate and mm. all of that. And so there are four of those. So yeah. there are four willpowers and there are four murders. Yeah, I've just, I've just read The Holiday Murders and I found it. All right, that's the, that's really the first great. in that series. Um, Thank you. And I was going to ask a few questions later on about that one. Yeah, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, it's interesting you're already talking about humour because you, I feel like in The Holiday, I think it would, oh, no, I think it's in the, the next one, the, the one, the Port Ferry one, yeah, there's a bit of humor. Is that sort of to balance it out? To yes, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I yeah. wanted to introduce you know some characters who were humorous, mm. so that it's not too bleak and, yeah. and horrible. And also, I wanted in these stories, I, I wanted to have in the murder series, especially, I wanted to have strong female characters. Yeah, yeah. that was very important. Yeah, and I think sometimes. You, you don't really always get that in television series. You don't always get the the female lead as uh, in like a, in a crime series or something as well. And yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to put uh, female characters in the nineteen forties when strong female characters when women did not really have very much agency. They were mm. blocked at every stage. They, yeah. It was very difficult for a woman to have a career. Mm-hmm. So I introduced the female policeman yes person uh, uh, helen lord yeah and she's the smartest person in the book by Mm. a long way Mm -hmm. but in the 1940s uh there were very few women in the police force just a handful of women in the police force and they were so it was considered by the um upper echelons of the police force that they were they would never be promoted so yeah. in the 1940s, women did not wear a uniform. Mm. They just wore civvies. And the reason they didn't wear a uniform is because there was, there was a sense that they wouldn't need that extra stripe on, their, on the sleeve of their uniform because they would never be promoted. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's kind of depressing to, mm. to think of that. There's, there's one famous woman, and oh, I'm ashamed to say I've just forgotten her name, um, it took her 25 years in the police force to move from constable to senior constable. Oh. And you can imagine the number of incompetent men yeah. who were promoted over her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, I think we got the first female, um, I think it was in the 90s, female, what do they call like the female head of police in Victoria? Yeah, Christine Nixon. When- yeah, in the 90s, which yeah. <laughs> took a long time. Anyway. I, I think maybe even the 2000s. Oh, wasn't it the 2000s? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was the 2000s. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go into sort of like when you're writing and your yep. environment around you, do you have like yep. a, do you have a favourite chair? That you this see? is where I sit. 
Yeah, I'm sitting I sit on your chair my, right now. I'm okay. sitting on my chair. <laughs> <laughs> I write, I, I do everything in uh, longhand, Martha. Okay. Yeah. I, I write in longhand with a fountain pen. And uh, so I can do it anywhere. I do it in cafes and I do it, you know, wherever. I always take my, my writing book with me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just sit here and make stuff up. <laughs> yeah. When I was, um, when I was um, writing my poetry, I was, for the book I published recently, I was, yeah. I was just using a computer, but I had written a lot of it down because a lot of the poetry actually came from, like, a, some over some, like, a, a decade ago. So I did have that written yeah. freehand. But, um, you know what I like about very, handwriting, Martha? When yeah, you, when you're writing by hand, um, it well certainly the way I write, mm. it it's it, it has a, a flowing rhythm, yeah. and, and that's kind of helps with the thought process. Whereas when I'm typing, I'm not a great typer, so it's very staccato, mm. and I find it's a very interrupting kind of process yeah. to my thinking. And so I do everything. I do the first drafts in longhand and the, the second draft I type into the computer and that's a level of um, editing. But yeah. the initial draft, it has to be done by hand because it's, I mean, I just, I love doing it by hand. And a fountain it pen. It feels with a fountain pen, a good fountain pen. Yeah, a, a good fountain pen. A good fountain, a fountain pen. Oh, sorry. <laughs> a fountain pen has that sort of classical sort of um, beauty to it, as I think. And it sort of gives you your signature as you write. I love fountain pens. I don't know why everyone doesn't use fountain pens. Throw away your biros. <laughs> Get yourself a decent fountain pen. Okay. Um, have you, <clears throat> excuse me, what books have you reread over the years and, and why? Oh, that's a great, that is a great question. Uh, I am very stuck in the 19th century in my reading. I would say the only books I have reread are probably novels from the 19th century. So once every so often I like to reread Emma, Jane Austen's novel, because mm -hmm. it's, it's such a um, uh, bitchy novel. Emma is such a horrible person, horrible person. And as Jane Austen herself said, she wanted to create a character that only she, who only she would love. But I love that novel. It's very funny. It's astringent. It's, uh, it, it doesn't look like the Jane Austen that we see in films or that people have an idea that she's kind of romantic and frothy and lightweight. And she's not at all like that. She's nasty nasty and that's what I love about Emma so I will read Emma oh I don't know once every two years just to reacquaint myself with that that book <laughs> and I'll reread a Dickens I just reread um Anna Karenina in a new translation which was an interesting thing to do because I haven't read that since I was about 20 which is a long time ago now so yeah the books I reread are not contemporary novels uh, but I think with no I do read contemporary novels, but I don't reread them. Okay. That's, I do you think that's sort of why that when you're writing, you prefer to be in the period, a different period of time and not present, like the present time too? Do you yeah, think I think it's because that? I'm not, 
I just actually just finished a novel set in the present time, oh, okay. which, is a, which is a comedy about the Archibald Prize. It's a satire about art and politics. Yeah. Um, I think that'll come out next year. I reread, poetry is the thing I reread most of all. Um, I will reread uh, my favourite poems over and over and over again because every time you read a favourite poem, by em even a short poem by someone like Emily Dickinson, something you get something different out of it because your mood is slightly different yeah and with poetry uh poetry is beautiful poetry is such a contained and disciplined form of writing i can't yeah. do it i'm no good at it mm. um that every time you read it you you find something new in it so i just love it love it love it love it what i was just going to say because I've, I've written a bit about what i was going to say about poetry here um because when, when I write, I also, um, I come from a, usually a place of emotion. So yeah. I've got music in the background, which. Um, right. <laughs> it, what's your preferred form of um, writing? Uh, um, prose or poetry? Where do you feel most at home? Uh, I suppose, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm writing, I've been writing a, uh, something for a long time, which isn't poetry, um, but it's. It's like a number of stories that will become one. Um, but with poetry, it's come very naturally to me. Um, and I've been doing that since high school. And I suppose for me, um, I can be doing anything. And then it's like these, there's lines in my head. I think it's a bit musical as well, but I'm not, you know, I haven't pursued music, but it's sort of like, it's not lyrics, but sometimes it's yeah. Maybe that's because I kind of could be also listening to some music or something like that. When um, you were in high school writing poetry, mm -hmm. did you ever submit it to your English teacher? I wrote a short story that did quite well in year ten, year ten. but um, yeah. <laughs> was, was this <laughs> a picture? Yes. It was about a. It was about a. a, a, a um, what's it called when people can read each other's minds? It was like a young teenage girl and a sheep. Um, telepathy. Telepathy, which was really interesting. Yeah. Um, About <laughs> <laughs> a girl and a sheep that they could read each other's minds, and I don't know. I don't know how the right. sheep. It, it was all really um, <laughs> a little bit bizarre, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did a lot of poetry then, and yeah. And yeah. actually, when, I, when I was, a, when I was um, uh, an English and an English literature teacher, when students wrote poetry, it was always, I always asked them not to submit it for assessment. Okay. Yeah. Because I was happy to read it, very happy to read it. But mm. it's very difficult when someone has put his or her heart and soul into a piece of poetry. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Yeah. And, and it's no good. And so, because it's sometimes <laughs> often, you know, if you're 15, it's no good. It's just yeah. no good. Yeah. yeah. And so I felt, always felt really uncomfortable giving that either a mark out of 20 or a grade, A, B, yeah. C, D, E. And I just thought, so I, I always ask them not to submit it I for assessment. I understand that. And it's very respectful, it, I think. Yeah. It's just too, too wounding. Mm. And the assessment process is so crude. Mm. And, and so um, 
and it is disrespectful of the emotional intent of a kid's work. Yeah. And so, mm. yeah, that was yeah. my only restraint. But I, I loved reading their poetry. I just didn't yeah. want to give it a mark. Yeah, I think that's really, um, I, I'm, I, I, I really um, respect you for doing that, actually, for, for yeah, for, take, um, for reading it and, 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 yeah, the manner of which you um, responded in that way. I think that's yeah. really commendable. Yeah. Um, so what's the next question I've got here? <laughs> Going to some lighter stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask about Naked Men and how did that begin? Because yeah. that's oh, look, really that, famous that, and it still is. Yeah. But, you know. I know. Like, <laughs> that, was, that was, Martha, that was seriously weird. Okay. Because <laughs> way back in 1998, I just wanted a pop art piece because I draw as well yeah I just yeah. wanted a pop-art piece for our living room wall and I loved those those drawings in boys and girls annuals from the 30s and 40s I just love them yeah. and so I found one and I I drew it at, at a very large size uh, in pen and ink with a nib pen dipped in ink old-fashioned way and it looked really good the way pop-art does look if it's mm. blown up yeah but then I thought when I was looking at it, what if I, what if I just took the clothes off one of the characters and just had that person standing around naked for no reason at all? Yeah. And everyone around him just accepts the fact that, yeah, this is a naked guy. And mm -hmm. so I redrew it and it looked really good. It looked really funny. Yeah. And then I, I did half a dozen of them and took them down to The Age. And The Age actually said, we'll run this over summer, which is the silly season and run it as a caption contest and see how it goes. Yeah. And we, it, was meant, it was meant to go for six weeks. And I thought, yeah, I can cope with doing a drawing every week for six weeks because they take ages to draw, ages. Yeah. And it ran for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> every week. Every week. And people could actually um, write in and say the description that went on the bottom. Yeah. They, the idea remember. was that they'd come up with what yeah. was essentially a dick, a dick joke, essentially. Yeah. Every week. <laughs> and some of them were great. Some of them were pretty ordinary. But some of them were really clever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then when the age went through all its ruckus with being bought by nine oh. and losing so many staff, and mm. uh, they um, uh, cancelled the cartoon. Mm. Maybe just postponed it. It's been, it hasn't been running for two years now. I should get off my ass and, and um, maybe... Uh, see if they'll keep running it again because people did love it. It was yeah. kind, of kind of weird, uh, uh, just a completely inexplicable cult kind of thing. It's very strange. I, I thought it was great anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and with your artwork, is, as you said, it's sort of like that popular culture. And when you sort of look at are you sort of influenced by the pop culture movement of the of the sixties as well? Are you sort of I like it that? up to a, up to a point. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of it. Mm. I like the idea that you you can take an image and just in the process of blowing it up, you can mm. make it 
somehow either more entertaining or more aesthetically appealing than, yeah. it, than it is in its in, in its small form. I do believe it's a kind of there is a kind of intellectual emptiness about it, but that's okay. <laughs> Not everything has to be um, intellectually deep. Yeah, and I, I, I think I think pop art is a movement. Is is intellectually flim, flimsy, but yeah. I, I, I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, I think I wanted to ask about um, when you're writing like the holiday motors and you're able to sort of you, you. I think I just remember some of the descriptions of the streets, the streetscapes and suburbs, and it's really reads like it's from the time period. Oh, thank you. Was that like from research? Mainly, or was um, it of... partly from research, but yeah. no, just um, it's it, imagination, yeah. just feeling and imagination. Mm. Yeah. The thing okay. about research is that that when you're writing historical fiction, a good historical novel should not draw attention to the research. Yes. You should just feel that yeah, I'm here in this place, and and um, it, it research is about editing the stuff that you don't need. Mm. I think don't put everything, everything you've researched into a novel because that's what it looks like. Yeah, I think that's right. But you, you choose, uh, I think the key is to choose small moments mm. and use those rather than go for something huge. Yeah, okay. But I just, you know, um, I'm what's called a, um, you've probably heard this expression that with crime writers there are plotters and there are pantsers. And a plotter is the kind of writer who sits down and works out every step of the plot before they begin writing. Mm. So they have notes and the shape of the book and they know exactly how it's going to end. But I belong to the other group called the pantsers and I don't plot my novels at all. I just sit down and start writing Yeah. and see what happens yeah. as the novel unfolds. And then yeah. that, that keeps me entertained. Yeah. Because if, if I write myself into a cul-de-sac, I've got to find a way of writing myself out of it without changing the shape of the novel. And uh, I like that challenge. That's, I, that's really interesting to find out because... Um, I'm sure when you write your poetry, it's yeah. kind of you sit down and it just, yeah. you, you just let it... You, yeah, you just I don't plan find it. it. <laughs> no, you let it find itself yeah. on the page. And the novel's just a kind of a big baggier form of that. Yeah. But see, you can you can write poetry. I can't. I cannot write poetry. That I find that discipline. That, that's a talent. I just I do not have. Okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's a very particular talent, and it's a talent, not a skill. <laughs> um. Now I'm just going to go read over some more of my questions. <laughs> yeah. Have I asked you about the cinema yet? Like, I think. No, no. Um, yeah. So do you, have you been able to venture into one lately or, or oh. does that play a part sometimes? I'm, 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 I'm glad you asked this question. Yeah. Because I don't really like movies. Oh, okay. I know that's weird, but um I, whenever, mostly, when I go to the movies, I come out 
always disappointed. Not always, but mostly disappointed by the film. It's, it's, it's not an art form that I love. I do love film noir. I love, uh, I love black and white film. I'd, I'd much rather watch a black and white film than a colour mm. film, unless it's a, unless it's a beautiful colour film like The Leopard, say, you know. Uh, but mostly I, I, I like black and white films, but I just don't like movies. I'm certainly not interested in, in, in um, all those DC and Marvel films. Oh. And the CGI cinema, it, it's the, that's, it seems to me that that's all aimed at 14-year-old boys. Yeah. And I'm just not interested in that. And they do have at a all. Marvel stadium in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> they do. And also, whenever I go to the cinema, I get bronchitis. So. Oh, God, okay. So, there's something in the air conditioning. No, I never go in summer anyway. Yeah. Okay. But no, I'm not an avid cinema goer. Are you an avid cinema goer? Me and my partner, we often go. Um, <laughs> but um, at the moment we haven't been. But, um, like, my partner likes, um, she doesn't mind, like, a, um, a bit of a blockbuster and I'll just sit there with her. <laughs> um like she likes some movies with like fast cars and stuff like that and oh yeah it's interesting um well we did she balances me out so they (laughs) right so you insist that you take you take her to see all of those grim traumatic films where you you pay your 20 dollars and you come out traumatized (laughs) by what by what you've just seen you come out needing therapy See, that's the other thing. I don't want to pay 20 or 25 bucks and need yeah. therapy yeah. afterwards. I don't some want to be traumatized. Yeah, you don't need to. And I suppose some films are, are kind of a repeat of something and then you something you've already seen and then it's like you don't need to see all this again. And, yeah. Uh, anyway. I mean, I cried in Bambi when I was a little kid, so. That's <laughs> 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 probably the best thing. Uh, um, okay. So let's go to some lighter, lighter questions. Uh-huh. Um, uh, what are you reading? I am reading um, a fantastic collection of short stories by an Australian writer, Chloe Wilson. And the collection of short stories is called Hold Your Fire. Mm-hmm. And it's just, they're brilliant. Okay. They are brilliant. Okay, so you recommend that for... I would recommend summer that yeah. for summer reading. It's okay. just been published. That's great. Uh, this year. Um, and she's great. Okay. Great. Uh, I've never met her. She's not a friend. I'm not selling a friend's book. <laughs> but this book, a friend gave it to me and said, okay. you, you'll love these. And I do love them. Okay. They're just superb. So Chloe Wilson. Summer reading at every, and for, yeah, and newly released yeah. book. Okay. Yeah. Everyone it's should good. get that. Okay. Yeah. All and right. for a crime novel, I've just finished reading uh, Cutter's End by Margaret Hickey, who's another Australian mm. writer. She's okay. a very good writer. Her short stories, a pre- which is a previous publication, I think it's called Rural Dreams. They're superb. Short stories okay. are superb. Another, another recommendation. So that's yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> The world opens up. Would you like to travel or would you like to just 
I don't know. I would, I would, I would like to stay at home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Traveling is so exhausting. Okay. Well, <laughs> would you? Where would you like to travel, Martha? Um, I'm hopefully going to get to New Zealand. You've been to New Zealand before? Yeah, I did go in like. It was at the end of first year uni. Um, it was it's just fantastic, a, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Beautiful. Um, yeah, it's really gorgeous. And went there for actually two weeks and for New Year's Eve. That was fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> and was staying near Abel Tasman National Park, uh-huh. South Island, and it's it's a yeah. bit like Wilson's Prom, but it's more. Um, it's a bit more, well, it's a bit more New Zealandy, um, yeah. but it's really the area. <laughs> There's no kangaroo. Well, yeah. or, or snakes. Yeah, that's, a, that's one great thing, no snakes. <laughs> There's um, no snakes. A lot of birds. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of birds. <laughs> and Only um, uh, one indig- in, indigenous mammal in New Zealand. Is that, the, is that a bird? It's that? a bat. Oh, there's a bat. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that. It's a mammal. They have no quadruped mammals. Oh, yeah. I, okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That's how cut off New Zealand was volcanically from the rest yeah. of the world. Mm. The only mammal that could make it flew there. <laughs> okay. No, but they had those mowers, those big, huge things. They made, yes, they became extinct. They're birds. I know. <laughs> Tell me about your art. I've curated a public art piece that will be. Oh. Actually, I can say this because this is <laughs> this podcast is released during midsummer. So for the midsummer this year, a in 2022, uh, a public art curated piece where I curated artists from um, around Australia to do some giant. Um, artwork pieces which will be around the St Kilda Esplanade and um, oh, wonderful on the footpath so they're giant like art drawings kind of graphic style so I've got me myself and some other artists mainly graphic design artists and they're mm-hmm. really quite cool pieces and I'm really proud that I was able to get these guys to do this with me and um, I've been produ- I've produced it and curated it and I'm really proud to be presenting that. Fantastic. Yeah. So you walk and along this... the street, you see them on the ground. Yeah. Oh, brilliant idea. So you can't miss them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so you'll... Unless, and they're also... unless you're a millennial and you're looking at your phone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it gets people off their phones, yeah. And then <laughs> There's like an overpass that goes down to the beach from the Esplanade area. And yes. on the yeah. overpass, there's going to be more of them across oh. on the footpath, you sort of overpassing. And so you look across at the vista and you can look at art. Yeah. So it's what a I brilliant idea. Something, yeah. Really public art because um, I really try and do art these days that is for everyone and not just in yeah. a gallery space. So I yeah. do. Yeah projects that involve um, video art that's presented outdoors and and, yeah. and have had the public art pieces that I did for Midsummer two years ago. Um, 
So I really, I really see public art as something very important. Um, I agree with you. I love public art because it reminds people who need reminding that mm. art exists. Yeah. And that yeah. there are people doing it and that um, mm. it, it mm. art's not just in a gallery. And it yeah. catches people who would never go to a gallery. Absolutely. And in some yeah. ways they're not even conscious that they're looking at art, but they're mm. accidentally looking at art. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of been my mission a bit. That's, that's a bit weird. But my, my artistic mission um, to do that um, in the last uh, five or six years to sort of, yeah, just pursue projects like that. Mm-hmm. So. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we're coming to the end of our lovely chat and I'd like. I can't wait to see your um, installation. Yeah. Oh, doing that. that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I'd like to say thank you so much for joining me for the Team Vicky's podcast for Midsummer 2022, Robert. Thank, um, thank you, Martha. It's been an absolute pleasure. Team, um, Vicky's. Team, um, Vicky's. Team, um, Vicky's.